Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast, Sam Ferris here, and on today's episode, we are privileged to speak to the fastest bowler in the world, Australia pace ace, Mitch Stark, who is on ice, quarantining in Adelaide. G'day, Mitch. Hello, Sammy. How are you? I'm well, thanks, mate. What's going on? Not a lot at the minute. Uh, Lockdown in quarantine, Um, so getting getting accustomed to my four walls at the moment, but... um, it's nice to be back in Australia, which is positive. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's start with where you've just been, the UK. Uh, that tour, Australia lost the T20 series 2-1, won the one-day series 2-1. I reckon we work backwards here. So game three, chasing 303, you've come out to bat, letting 10 off the final over, having watched Alex Carey and Glenn Maxwell make brilliant hundreds. And first ball, you go bang, six off Adil Rashid, <laughs> then a single, then a four to win the game, 11 off three, easy. Take us through it. There's not much to go through. It's just step out as far as I can and swing hard. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, Maxi and, and Keza were unbelievable to, um, I guess, even going further back in, in game two where we probably played some really good cricket and then all of a sudden fell in a heap and, and probably, um, you know, reflecting as a group after the game, had some really good honest chats and, and it was that that middle order who, who got us home in, in game three. So to, to, to watch Keza and, and Maxi do what they did. Um, Alex's first one day century, Maxi's second, to get us all but to the line from being five for 70 odd was um, no doubt a proud moment for those two. But for us to, to sit back and watch that was incredible. And Patty and I just got to uh, put the cherry on top, which was nice. When you walked out there, you were just thinking, this ball's going no matter where it's landing? Um, yeah, I was surprised that the spinner was on. Um, Manchester's not overly long straight, and that was a very short to one of the sides. Yeah. So um, I was getting to the to the long side on the on the leg side. So I thought I could just try and hit him straight. Didn't quite get it, but got enough. Um, and then don't, I don't know where the sweep shot came from. I just it was a bit down the leg, and and managed to get me big big hoof down leg side and sweep it. So um, yeah, I guess it was. Nice to nice to finish the tour that way as the group, um, and for me to contribute with the bat is something that I think the lower order have been talking about for a while. So it was nice for, for Patty and I to, to contribute there as well. And you contributed with the ball. Could have asked for a better start, two and two to start the innings. But what happened with the hat trick ball? Just didn't swing, did it? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, a nice way to start the game. Um, I guess that's part of my role is to try and take early wickets and, and to, to get two in the first two balls is uh, is always nice. Um, to get Roy and Root, who are two dangerous players in their lineup, is nice as well. So um, that being said, though, they managed to, to get their way to 300, which was, um, yeah, it would have been nice to, to bowl them out a bit earlier. But um, yeah, look, I, I think all in all, we played a lot of really good cricket through the tour and, and probably if we're, we're quite honest, we probably outplayed England in all the games bar maybe the second T20. There were just some some really key moments in the games that we did lose that um, 
that we let England back into the game and, and when they got to attend what they do, um, they're not going to give it back to us. Also in that third one day, uh, 49th over, you had a chance to man-cat Adil Rashid, but you've just held up and <laughs> given him a warning. Was that a, a, is that a team philosophy or is that more of an individual thing? Uh, no, we've never spoken about it as a team. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure I'm ever going to just man-cat someone. Um, yeah. I didn't see him leave early a couple of times and, and thought I'd call him up on it. So, um, I played I played a bit of cricket with, with Rash um, while at Yorkshire, so I know a fair bit. Yeah, I wasn't going to let him leave the crease early, uh, especially the, the back end of, of a game when he's trying to trying to steal a couple of runs. So, yeah, I don't think I'll... I definitely don't think I'd, I'd knock the bales off on anyone, but um, I'm not going to just let them get away with bad. Got to keep those cheeky batsmen in there. <laughs> Chris, don't you? It's a batter's game, Mitch. That's all they say. It is a batter's game. It is a batter. Well, the boundary is only about bloody 60 yards as well. So um, <laughs> it's all in the batter's court these days. And you get two balls that they don't reverse that much to the back end. They've got short boundaries, good wickets. The wind was blown to the short boundary. What else do you want as a batter? Yeah. And you're talking about the ball that didn't swing for the Morgan Hattrick delivery, but I reckon that second ball that you bowled to Root, the one that did trap him LBW, was like the only ball that swung from you. Yeah, it, um, these, the white balls don't swing a whole lot these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nice to get on to, to shape a little bit. I think might have done a little bit off the surface as well, which we probably saw more more off the surface through those games at Manchester than we did through the air. So um, yeah, it was nice to get that one under the belt. Across both series, you kind of mentioned this before, you guys had some golden chances to win a few of those games, but you let them slip. How much did not playing for so long contribute to that? Yeah, look, it's, it's certainly not a, an excuse and not one that we want to use. Um, but I think without having competitive cricket under our belts for sort of five months um, and only having the option of, of training in small groups in our states, um, doesn't really help when you, you come up against the world champions that have been playing cricket throughout their summer, although uh, obviously in a bubble, but um, they've been playing cricket. So match practice is is, um, is obviously, you want to try and replicate that as much as you can in the nets, but it's completely different when you get out there in the middle under certain pressures. So I think that, um, you know, you, you can probably, like, gee, you can mention it in, in one or two of the first games, but certainly not. Um, come back into the tour and we've got some game time under our belt but um, yeah like I said before I thought we played some some really really good cricket throughout the whole tour certainly through those T20s um, there were just a couple of key moments that we let England back into the game and, and they're not going to give it back to us after we let them back in so um, something to learn from but at the same time a really nice way to to finish the tour after being in a, a pretty tough spot at 5 70 to uh, guts it out the way Maxi and and Keza did, and, and for the group as well, um, was a nice way to finish. You bowled with extreme pace, got the ball to swing at times. How do you reckon you bowled over there? Yeah, built into it nicely. Found sort of blew a bit of the rust off, um, thankfully, early on. Got back into a nice rhythm, and, and um, yeah, it was nice to nice to contribute throughout the tour. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it sort of took a, a few balls to get that rhythm back, and, and um, probably thought I. Talking about it after the the games, I thought probably tried to run in a bit hard in the first game and, and didn't have that balance that all that, that that rhythm that I'd probably um, had done last summer or, or that the rhythm that I had to back into the tour. So um, yeah, probably a little bit too excited or ready to go for the first game and then running a bit hard. But um, yeah, I think we all all learnt 
I guess a fair bit about our games or how how to get back into the swing of things after after we got running in the, the first couple of games, which was good for the group. Any more tweaks to that bowling action of yours? No, no more tweaks. Um, still trying to work on the same stuff, trying to keep it simple, trying to trying to get it to, to feel more and more natural the more I do it. Um, it's in a you know comfortable place, I guess, and, and just trying to um, yeah, just trying to groove it to to feel really natural and not trying to um, overthink it or, or change too much. It's been work last summer, so it's just trying to make it feel natural now. You've got an alarming strike rate of getting a wicket in the first over of matches. I mean, I'm sure you're trying to get a wicket with every ball you're trying to bowl right, and it doesn't matter if it's the first first over or the last over, but can you put your finger on why that might be? Is it just because that ball is swinging and you're slightly more dangerous at the start of the innings? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's part of my role is to, to be, you know, just bowl fast, bowl aggressive, take wickets. Um, I probably tend to bowl... Uh, a fraction fuller than than maybe Paddy or Josh, um, which at times sees me probably more expensive than those two. But um, I think for me, it, if I do find that swing or that Yorker or um, you know that aggressive length, more often than not, it's it's hitting the stumps early on, um, which is what I'm trying to do. And, and I, I guess an example of that was for that, that Joe Root ball in the last game was yeah. I want to be a fraction fuller. I want the I want the wicket to do the work, maybe a bit of swing in the air um, and give myself the best chance. So, yeah, that's sort of the basis of it, trying to be aggressive there and and it's just risk versus reward, isn't it? You, you, sometimes you're going to take those early wickets. Sometimes you're going to they're going to hit uh, hit those balls for, for a boundary when it's a, a brand new hard ball with only two fields out. Sometimes you, you don't quite execute and they're going to go to the boundary. So it's... Um, yeah, it's a risk versus reward there. I'll get you to talk on, on the, the bowling front here. I won't get you to speak for the batters uh, in case they get offended. But uh, <laughs> uh, as a bowling group, what, <laughs> as a bowling group, what do you reckon you guys need to do to, to go to that next level and make sure you're uh, vying for that title at the next World Cup? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, a few things we've spoken about sort of post-summer and, and throughout our, our sort of five months away from the game and then in the lead-up to this tour was... Uh, we probably felt our, our period between 11 and 20 was probably our worst period with the ball um, where we let teams back into the game perhaps or, or we didn't take enough wickets to, to really put the pressure on. So I thought looking at, um, I, I guess as a group, we we're looking at, at stats and, and how we've gone throughout the last few years or since the since the 2015 World Cup, I think we look back, back through to then. Um, and I think that most of the stats said we were really good at the start with the new ball. More often than not, not always, but but more often than not, and that we brought games back really well from from sort of twenty to twenty to fifty, and we were uh, more often than not pretty good at the death as well. So that that was something I think we identified, um, and something I thought we were really good throughout this tour, but our death bowling wasn't wasn't great on this tour. So the three games that we played, obviously bear in mind that game three was a really short boundary, but um, games one and two were, were, were quite normal. Um, we were fairly expensive as a bowling group, sort of the, the back five or six overs of the innings. So, um, yeah, positive is that we, we were really good through 11 to 20, um, but we were a bit off in the death, death bowling this to us. So, um, I guess to answer your question, as a bowling group, it's now trying to really round that out and be consistent through the 50 overs and, and not have a have a bad 10-over period or a bad 5-over period to let teams back into the game when we sort of got them against the wall I guess how hard is that to practice I imagine 
death bowling really is a, an in-game type situation, a skill you have to master while you're playing. Yeah, I think we've got a group of guys that, that can can all do it as well. I think we, we saw Joshy do it in the last game, games previous with sort of Pat and I, um, you know, Kane Richardson's done a lot of it. Even Marcus Thornis has done a fair bit of it as well. So we've got a, a or even, and Zams wants to do more of it. So yeah. we've got a, a good group of guys that, that want to do it and they can do it and have done it. Um, yeah, I guess there's an element there when the pressures of playing as opposed to, to practicing it in the nets when the batters don't overly, not too worried that they get out in the nets. So yeah, there's a, there's an element there, but um, you, know, you can't, you can't win them all. I've been on the back end of, of some punishment uh, along with, with uh, times where I've been able to, to, to get the team over the line. So um, as death bowlers, it's again, that's that risk versus reward and, and, um, just backing yourself to execute, I think, um, and not trying to overcomplicate it. Australia's always been blessed with fast bowlers, but the spinning stocks look pretty good at the moment. You've got Nathan Lyon and the test team's doing a wonderful job. And now Adam Zampa seems to have grown a leg in that one-day side. How uh, impressive has he been? He's been awesome. Um, I, I, don't quote me on it, but I think um, he was he's taken the most wickets as a spinner in a three-match one-day series against yeah, England. I think, it was, I think it was Australia um, three-match bilateral one-day series. So, yeah, yeah, some, some kind of mouthful anyway, but he bowled well. <laughs> um, no, he was great. He, he's... Um, He's been great for us for a long time now in the in the white ball formats. Um, he and Ash Tago work really well together in T Twenty cricket. Um, obviously, Zorby was was um, the the main spinner in the one day team this tour. But as you said, you got you know, Nathan Lyon and Ash Tago on that tour as well, and um, three great options if you need. And, and Zorby's the number one in, in white ball at the minute, and, and doing a fantastic job. He he knows what he wants to do with the ball, which is is half the battle I think um, he's got that that confidence to do it he wants to, to even bowl to death so he's got a bit more confidence there <laughs> um, but yeah look he took some some really big wickets for us through the tour and and, and some some of their England's key players as well which is, is fantastic and he's, he's uh, he just keeps keeps learning and building and, and um, doing the job for us as a spinning option you want to be careful what you ask for there Mitch bowling at the death I'm not sure he'll take one bad innings and he'll put his hand straight back down. <laughs> <laughs> well, he bowled, he bowled one of the super overs in, in one of our intra-squad practice games over there. And and I, I think he only went two or three runs or something. And he's like, yep, that's me. I'm a death bowler. I'm ready to go. So, mate, he can have it if he wants it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sure there's not many people lining up for it. <laughs> uh, and just lastly on the on-field stuff, How, how's your leg? You pulled up a bit sore in one of those games. Or was it a groin or something? But you, you carried on and played the rest of the series. Yeah, it was a anyone who's been onto the Manchester field. It's um, it's always quite a damp outfield. I don't I don't know if it's because they keep the grass so short or Manchester just always rains. But um, it's always a really wet outfield, and I just uh, I just slipped a bit fielding a ball and, and tweaked the groin a bit. Um, nothing too bad. Um, could still run straight. It was just a bit a bit of lateral movement. wasn't wasn't comfortable at all, and, and it didn't. The hip didn't really like bowling around the wicket with a bit of, yeah. bit of soreness there, but um, no, nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it was obviously good enough to continue to bowl, which is it's the main thing. And um, bit of time in quarantine to get it right now, I guess. So overall, the six match series you had the interest squad game as well. What grade are you giving that to? A, B, C. What are you What are you going to give it? Oh, geez, I've never been one to rate things like that. But um, just the, the one day series has to be an A. The way we finished that off. Um, obviously the, the T20s um, 
we played some really good cricket, but come up short in some of the key, key moments, which probably cost us the series. So, yeah, we could be a lot, a lot better in that. That uh, I guess if we're quite honest as a group, we've been pretty good in T20 cricket over the last little while, but we let that one slip. So, I think you have to probably throw that one down as a, I don't know, a B minus maybe. <laughs> B minus, that'll do. How about playing in front of no crowds over there? You've, you had a bit of a taste of it in March in that one day or against New Zealand, but I'm sure you would have been going to England expecting uh, a fierce reception from the local crowd normally, but uh, not there this time. What was it like playing with, in empty stands over there in England? Yeah, it's different going to England and playing without being abused, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was really strange, I guess. The, the prom example um, was that uh, was the T20 that we won. Was it the second one? Third one. No, the third one. Sorry, third one we won. Where it got really close. And Mitchie Marsh and out, was out there and, and was sort of down the wire. And, and we were just sitting there watching. Um, it's You could hear a pin drop. It was so quiet. There was no talk from the English out there. There was just no crowd noise. And, and um, it was really surreal. So... Uh, we've all played in, in, in front of really small crowds or no crowds before in, in, in Shield cricket or um, obviously that New Zealand game before the before the break for the pandemic as well. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I guess, the the new norm of cricket at the minute or sport in general when you've, you've either got no crowds or, or some, some fake noise crowd. Um, it's, it's great to see crowds back in the footy, but um, yeah, and, and until the world starts to change, I don't think um, there's going to be big sellout crowds um, at the moment. And certainly it was, it was strange for the tour not to, not to have those crowds out there. With no crowds, was it easier to hear messages from the dressing room or support or maybe someone upset at what you've done? Or was it easier to hear from the captain down at fine leg or what the opposition are saying? What was it like, that experience? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I didn't really notice too much of that. Um, certainly no, no standout moments that you heard something that you normally wouldn't um you have to ask buddy um manus about paying attention to the skipper right. he doesn't do it when there's a crowd or when there's not a crowd he just gets distracted <laughs> he's down the boundary and pinchy can't get his attention so um but no it uh yeah it was sort of in a way in a really small way it was quite nice not to to be you know well, abused or any of that stuff from the crowd but um, at the same time you want that, that atmosphere and, and that's what um, I guess we've we've sort of been used to in international sport is having those those crowds and that atmosphere and whether it's home or away it's um, you know generally in England you get the, the Barmy Army and the rest singing the songs and it creates such a, a great atmosphere to play in front of um, so yeah there's a part of you that misses that as well you got to be careful what you say out there, Mitch. Stop mics, no, no crowd noise to drown it out. Talk us uh, through the bubble. What was that like over there? What was the stuff in the hotel? What was the setup there uh, to keep you guys entertained? And what were some of the sort of protocols you guys had to go through on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly different. Um, we, we had a set of, uh, I guess you had a, an ECB sort of guideline that, that they had put in place, but then we had a, an extra set of um, guidelines put on top of us as well that we wanted to, to stick by because obviously we had to come back to Australia and, and um, I guess, um, you know, make sure our government were, were satisfied with what we were doing to keep us safe and, and obviously being as little risk as we could be coming back to the country as well. So we sort of um, 
stepped it up even more to what was expected of us originally. Um, yeah, it was it was obviously the masks on, the PPE, the uh, you know the hand sanitizer, the, the small groups, the um, yeah, just the being mindful of that. Obviously, we're stuck we were in the bubble, um, so there was no there was no leaving the 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 area. Um, it was slightly slightly less to do in Manchester, being a, a bit more of a it was probably a smaller area to to be to be in with. Um, you know, in Southampton, we had the golf course there that that we were allowed to be on it at certain times, um, not whenever you, you wanted to. It was it was um, obviously had to be approved by the the medical staff and, and be very controlled there, which was um, you know we were very grateful to get outside for yeah. for for a few hours, even down to you know sitting on on Hampshire Oval, uh, the Aegis Bowl, and and be able to kick a footy around or, or sit in the sun. So that was nice there to just to get out of our four walls of our, our bedroom. Um, then uh, we sort of had like a, I guess you call it a leisure room um, with a, a few things to, to sort of keep our minds occupied and, and you know, a bit of table tennis or um, whatnot. So, yeah, it, it's definitely definitely different um, not having that outside contact, uh, contact with the, the world or going down to the cafe or, or just getting out of, out of your head a little bit from, from cricket. But um it's the the new norm. I guess it's here to stay for for sport. It's certainly here for for cricket. Um, uh, yeah, the bubble life is something that um, I don't think is too sustainable for for a long amount of time. But mm-hmm. look, it's about keeping keeping us safe, keeping the public safe, and, and keeping the game game going. So we're we're, we're grateful for the opportunity, and, and um, likewise, while we're here in, in Adelaide, we're, we're grateful to be able to to uh, still keep us occupied. I guess while we're in lockdown. Saw a few things. Uh, was it an F1 simulator driving machine? You got to crack at that. Who's the who's the best and worst driver, I guess, or simulator driver amongst the Aussie team? Yeah, we we, we did have one of those. Um, it was actually uh, the English um, part of their their section. So while we were there at the start, we could use it, but as soon as they came into the hotel, it was off limits. So we couldn't right. interact with the bombs or anything like that. So that was theirs. We couldn't go back in there. Um, it was really good. It was um, it, Nathan Lyon rode off a few cars. Um, <laughs> it's fair to say he wasn't the best. <laughs> um, uh, he was pretty good. Marcus Stoinis, obviously, quite a close relationship with Dan yeah. Ricardo. He wanted to, um, you know, prove himself on that. So he had he spent some time on there. He was pretty good. Um, AJ AJ Ty rates himself pretty well. He, he was quite good on there. Um, I've played the game a fair bit on my PlayStation, so I, st- I knew some of the tracks quite well. So I, I was um, pretty happy with with my output there and had a good crack at it. It was nice, nice having the wheel and the the pedals there just to to have the, the even a heightened experience from just the control of the PlayStation, which was great. But um, yeah, from, from the little bits that I saw of people, Nathan mine rode off way too many cars. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned you couldn't go out and get a coffee at a cafe. But it seemed like every other day there was a new cafe springing up in the team hotel. <laughs> we knew we knew about the Love Cafe, the Adam Zampa Cafe, but then there was what Bulls Cafe, David Warner, a couple of coffee machines floating around. Can you talk us through sort of the, the landscape of the, of the coffee wars? What was that all that about? And was yeah, certain teammates going to certain cafes and or weren't allowed in other ones? No, I don't think anything was off limits. Um, there were a few people with coffee setups. There were, were some really quiet ones that didn't even want to be known to have 
coffee mm. available because I think they wanted to keep it to themselves. Someone like a, uh, a Mitchie Marsh or, or even a Sean Abbott a little bit, they, they sort of didn't, um, didn't attract any attention. They just did their own thing. And then obviously you had the two well-known cafes of, of uh, David Warner and Marnus. So Marnus, um, yeah. Obviously, the love cafe is the love cafe, and, and everyone knows about that one. And that's uh, you know, Marcus Stoinis is the number one ticket holder there. <laughs> but um, Marnie had a almost had like the team the team coffee machine. So he had this. Uh, I don't know the names of coffee. I, I don't mind my coffee, but I'm probably not a coffee snob. Um, but he brought this new machine and brought it on tour. Got these coffee beans, and he was like, "Yep, yeah, ready to go, make coffee for the boys." We got there and Davey had to out doing. Had to buy a bigger, better machine, <laughs> and it was Bulls Cafe. He had the, the opening and close times on his on his door, so you could walk past and know when it was on. It was invitations on the, the team WhatsApp. You know, boys, I'm making coffee between eight and nine. And then we got training or something like that. So, um, Paddy Cummins made a, a good uh, an, an analogy of it in terms of like Davey was almost like a um, it's almost like an airport cafe, like pump them out, like wham bam, you know. Minimal chat. You could stay if you wanted to have a chat, but he'd just pump out the coffees and you could, you know, grab in, go and get it and leave and, and something like that. And Marnie was a bit more like a, not necessarily more love, but, you know, take a bit more time, a mm. bit more of a, you know, back alley of Melbourne sort of cafe and they'd compete against each other. And then Marnie had Steve Smith looking over his shoulder at his, his latte art and the rest <laughs> of it. So there was a bit happening, but, um, Paddy Cummins and I were real fortunate. We so we were either side of, of Manus in terms of room positioning. So we were lucky enough to have, have a balcony at, at Hampshire. So in the morning, you just walk out on the balcony, yell over to Manus around the, the barrier and go, mate, double I'll have a double today, thanks, mate. And in five minutes you had your coffee. So we didn't have to leave our room. So um, but Davey was more than happy to make as many coffees as he wanted pretty much throughout the day, unless he was on the golf course or at training. So um, in terms of coffee, the boys were sport for choice. And, and even here in lockdown, um, Marnus is in my small group of, of three players. So we've got Riley Meredith, Marnus and myself for the three players in our little group while we're in lockdown. Um, and he's happy for us just to, to leave the keep cup out the front of his room. He'll make a coffee for you, knock on your door and it's waiting on the floor. So it's, um, he's, a, he's a good man, Marnie. Well, you did a great job of grading the tour. So why don't we get you to grade the baristas <laughs> in the Aussie team? Let's go through them. A, B, C, D, Dave Warner's coffee. What are you giving it? Well, I've, I've only experienced the, the Bulls Cafe and, and Marnie's um, little setup. So I can right. only grade the two of them. I haven't, okay. haven't had the pleasure of being at the Love Cafe or, or um, you know, tasted a brew off, off Sabah or, or Marshy. So I've only got the two to, to compare. Yep. Uh, and um, both very good. Like I said, I'm not really a coffee snob, so I'm probably not the best to, to get into the nitty gritty. I, as long as I've got a, you know, a, it's not a, an instant coffee, I'm, I'm a happy chap. So um, Marnie tries to be, put a bit more time into his art, but at the same time has Steve Smith looking over his shoulder, making sure he's doing something a certain way. Bull just pumps him out and, you know, it's actually really nice coffee and he, he, they're both very good coffee. So it's hard to, hard to split them. Um, geez, I guess on to it, Davey was probably more accessible. He was happy to make coffee any time of the day. Whereas Marnie was sort of a bit shorter on his open and close times. So, um, but at the same time I've had Marnie here in lockdown in Adelaide. So uh, he, he gets a few extra points there. So it's hard to split them. 
I'd have to go there on level at the moment. Jeez, it's not just the quality of surface, it's the coffee, it's the experience. There's lots to go into it. I, I can understand <laughs> why it's such a difficult decision. Uh, Mitch, before we get into how you're spending your time quarantining in Adelaide, just a quick reminder to our listeners that we have a brand new podcast called The Scoop, which is dedicated to all things women's cricket and features Australian captain Meg Lanning. So don't miss it. Go ahead and subscribe to The Scoop wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Mitch, let's talk about the, the flight home to, uh, to Australia. Yes. You're on a chartered flight. I'm sure you're covered in PPE. What, and even on the way to the UK, what was that experience like uh, going on those charters flights? Yeah, it's a very different way um, of travel, travel that the, the cricketers have been used to. It's, um, yeah, obviously PPE it was a very controlled environment, I guess you'd say. Um, we had to be on, on our own flight. Um, from our state home ports to Perth, um, so there was only only players and staff on those those uh, domestic flights to to Perth. We picked up a few guys along the way. So, I guess guys from Sydney, we stopped in Adelaide, picked up guys from. Well, sorry, the the, the Hobart guys jumped on our flight from Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met uh, the Brisbane and Victorian boys in Adelaide. We picked up the Sacker boys there as well, obviously. Went over to Perth um, and picked up the rest. Got on an international plane, um, and then we stopped. Uh, when we stopped the first time, we stopped um, Colombo yep. and Dubai for refueling. Well, the whole time we've been on on the plane, so we only obviously swapped planes uh, in Perth from a domestic plane to an international. And then we were, were on the plane until we, we stepped off in, in Eastern Midlands uh, in, in England. So, uh, yeah, we see two refuelings, um, jump off the plane at East Midlands and then straight on the bus to, to Derby, to the controlled environment there. Um, and obviously, a number of COVID tests before we left Australia. One as soon as we got to Derby. And then I think we had one every three or four days while mm. in England just to to make sure everyone was was good to go and, and safe from the group. But yeah, it was a different way to travel. And as you'd know, as a, a big fella, um, <laughs> flying's not great if you're more than six foot tall. So yeah, but it, it was, um, you know, we're very fortunate to, to be able to to get on a plane and go and play international cricket overseas, which was, was fantastic. Were you spread out on the flights? Were you guys, I mean, you had the whole plane to yourselves, right? So you could stretch out a little bit, but you guys went shoulder to shoulder? Yeah, so the domestic flights, um, we were quite spread out. Um, obviously, it was just just the the playing and uh, playing group and the, and the staff. So we had the uh, you know the luxury to move around. And then the international plane, uh, I think there were seventy odd seats between a group of I don't know what we were nearly forty people, I guess. So you had. Um, Two two seats per row. Oh, sorry, four seats per row. Obviously, two sides, two seats per side of the aisle. Yeah. Um, so each person was in a, a seat or two. So obviously, not sitting next to someone. Um, obviously, keeping that social distancing, and, and we we had to to keep the PPE on for the, the entirety of the flight. So, um, yeah, different way of, of international travel for us. But um, yeah, it's all about keeping us safe and, and keeping the game moving forward, isn't it? And how about when you got into Australia, you were whisked away to the hotel straight away? 
yeah, that was a different experience again. Obviously, it was um, pretty much the same coming home. It was the the same um, same type plane, same same airline, um, same rules apply. PPE, um, you know, sit not next to one another and the rest of the thing. Um, Fine Adelaide um, had to to go through more guys had to get their their spikes checked and the rest um, PPE back on straight onto a uh, to two buses, so you had to keep your groups relatively small. Um, yeah, straight to the the Oval Hotel uh, in the basement, supported mm. by the SA Police and SA Health and the rest of it. Um, and then we go. So the the players and staff that are here in Adelaide, we've been split up into just six really small groups uh, to keep the keep the separation and keep um, within the guidelines of quarantine, obviously. So it's not a bubble anymore. It's, it's quarantine. Yeah. Um, and then we had uh, sort of two and a half days um, locked in your room. It was, you have a, uh, they come to your door and have a swab test and then you're, you're in lockdown until those, those results come back. So um, yeah, fortunately now everyone's, um, everyone's had, I reckon, seven maybe eight COVID tests since we were in quarantine before we left the country yep. and then throughout the tour and, and and also now i think we've got another one before we're, we're out of quarantine as well but everyone's done the right thing we've all got negative tests which is great um boys obviously understand the impact of of um of being able to the to tour and, and be able to to come back to adelaide and, and um you know we're very grateful for that fact and and um yeah, now we've got a couple of sort of three days a week for these two weeks. We've got a couple of hours to, to keep our skills up and prepare for the summer. It's um, you know, we're grateful for that that opportunity to do that, and and, and Adelaide's been the government's been great to, to let us do that. But obviously, uh, we've been in a really controlled environment. Some of us for for seven eight weeks now. So it's um, it's now about keeping keeping uh, on top of that and, and making sure everyone's safe and and um, getting on with the cricket as well. And you were saying you're in uh, a group of three other players, two groups of four, is that right? Uh, there's three groups. So we've mm-hmm. got, um, so we've across the three floors of the hotel, there's two separate groups per, per floor that you can't cross over. Um, so in, in my group, I've got um, Riley and Marnus, who, and we've each group of players as a staff member. So we've got David Beakley, the physios with the three of us. Good get. Um, yeah, great get. Um, <laughs> and then you've what's on the other floor? One of the groups is Abbott and Lyon, and that leaves Agar, Wade, and Richardson. Mm. So they're the players, and then there's you know small groups of staff as well. So that's just to keep um, obviously within the quarantine guidelines and, and keep everyone safe. And, and um, so you can't mix with those to, other guys. No, you can't. Um, like we can't have uh, Riley can't come and chill in my room or anything like that. You're in your room. Um, yep. We've got obviously uh, really lucky to have times to train where we can train together. Obviously keeping social distance uh, mindful there, but we can go and train um, out at Adelaide Number Two in a really controlled environment. Um, obviously watched closely by the, the police. Yeah. Um, and Is that with everyone after us? All players. Yep, all players. Yep. Um, that's the only time we can can mix there. Um, and the other time we mix is, is when uh, four of us jump on the Call of Duty and we've got the headsets on and, <laughs> and trying to get a Warzone victory. <laughs> well, you've done well to get the physio and the guy who's making the coffee. 
it's perfect. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, how are you spending all that time? You get to train a little bit and go to the gym, uh, but what about in that off time? What are you doing? Yeah, it's um, it's finding ways to keep occupied in in uh, in the bubble or, or quarantine. So for me, um, I've got a, a a putter and some golf balls that I've been. <laughs> hitting up the, the little length of the, the room. Um, a few of us got PlayStations here. So um, a bit of time spent on on um, Call of Duty or PGA or, or Formula One. Um, and then guys probably on the Netflix as well. So um, luckily there's been some footy to watch as well. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, whether it's, for me, that's what I'm doing. If you guys might want to read or, or do something else, a few of the staff members enjoy a bit of reading. But um yeah, I find myself uh, on the PlayStation a bit and then picking up the putter and putting some balls while listening to some music. <laughs> Talking about putting, what's happened with the Steely <laughs> Cup? Uh, those who don't know, it's the uh, annual event between Mitch Stark and Alyssa Healy. Uh, you vie for a, a trophy over a series of events across the year, golf, of course. Uh, I've, I've been told from a very reliable source that Alyssa is leading and wouldn't care she if it was never played again. She may have mentioned it today. Yeah. Uh, oh, so today she, was it. <laughs> she's not fussed about uh, not having to play again because she's holding the trophy at the moment. Uh, what's going to happen? Are you guys playing over Zoom or virtual golf or PGA? What's the what's the what's nah, the situation? You got to be on the course at the same time. So that probably rules out any more rounds of golf for the year. But um, yeah, she she is currently ahead this calendar year. So um, if it was to end now or no golf to be played for the rest of the calendar year, she would be victorious. So, uh, yeah, I didn't make the most of, of uh, the last five months and didn't get myself back in front. So that's, <laughs> that's my own fault, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to plan for the future these days, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but we're going to do some planning right now. Uh, <laughs> so you've got a quarantine, right? You're lucky because you get to do it in your own room. You're all separated. But, you know, back in the old school tours, everyone had a roommate, right? You go and room, yep. room. So let's uh, let's just say that you have to quarantine for two weeks with one of your Aussie teammates. Who would you want to do it with, and who would you not want to do it with? Out of the guys I've got in Adelaide right now, or in no, the no, whole no. squad, the, the, the broader squad. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> this is this is okay. You put me on the spot here. All right, I'd, I'd probably um, be really happy to be stuck rooming with with someone in the cartel. Yeah. Certainly. Um, sure. So I'd, I, for that reason, I'd probably pick Josh or Pat or even David Beakley. Um, okay. Three physio really good again. guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, physio. Member of the whiskey club, you know, loves watching the sport, good to chat to. Um, that's why he's part of the cartel. Physio's got to be part of the cartel. Absolutely. You know, honorary member. Um, someone I wouldn't like to be stuck with. <laughs> Well, being in the gym with Manus this morning at 7 a.m., he had way too much energy and he talks way too much about cricket and he'd probably shadow bat all day. So he gets a few extra points for being a barista on tour. Yep. So that'd be a positive in his favor. But I don't know if I could do his energy 24-7. So um, he might get a bit tough. Um, probably Davey be getting a bit tough too. He just he likes to have a chat all the time and um, yeah, so maybe those two would be be tough for two weeks lockdown together. <laughs> the maybe stick them together in the same room. I'd love to see how that that dynamic would work. Well, funny you should mention <laughs> that because we're going to play the role of team manager now, and we're, <laughs> we're going to we're going to match up 
some of your teammates with their roommates. So I'm going to give okay. you 10 or 11 players and I'm going to get you to nominate the person that you would like or who they you think that would be best suited to room with for a two-week period. So I can period. stitch people up here or? It's encouraged, yes. I might not have the, the job for, for too long if I do that. Well, yeah. <laughs> be careful with the guys who are giving you physio and, uh, and coffee. So, you know, yeah. you want to treat them well. Okay, yeah. let's yeah. start off with the number one batter in the world, Steve Smith. Who would be most suited to room with him? I think this might be your easiest Easiest answer ever because yeah. they pretty much room together all tour anyway. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Marnus. Yep, Marnus, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, David Warner. Most suited <sighs> with David Warner. Most suited with David Warner. You'd probably throw Finchie with him, I reckon. Mm. Opening partnership. Okay. Uh, yeah, I reckon those two would go well together. They like, I mean, they like their golf. They probably play a bit of golf together too. So, yeah, I reckon... See how that goes. Good one. Uh, Pat Cummins. Uh, well, you'd probably throw Josh in with him. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that. That's a, a good dynamic there. They're two pretty chilled. All right. What about Josh doesn't drink enough whiskey for Paddy's liking, but yeah, <laughs> that'll still work. This might be or a stupid, coffee for that matter. <laughs> this, might be, this might be a stupid question, but can you guys have a couple of beers while you're quarantining? Is alcohol permitted? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <you can. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know we're you're training. Kind. No, we, we were kind enough to have a little care package delivered by um, by Lion Nathan. So they dropped a few beers over for in, into our rooms before we got here, which was was um, was lovely. Okay, as long as you're waking up and having one, I'm sure that. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of oh, Lion Nathan, Nathan Lion. Yeah, I, I you throw me the spinner, but. Um, the fact that he needs a lot of help at Call of Duty, <laughs> I get stuck with him a fair bit. So I, I'd take one for the team. I'll take Nathan and then just guide him through his his loadout settings and, and where to go throughout the map on, on Warzone. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know how he, he <laughs> doubts himself, even though he's, he's on the verge of a hundred Test matches and taking four hundred wickets. He sometimes doubts himself at the start of a Test match. Does he get the same with? Call of Duty? Does he, is he low on confidence? Do you need to build him up? His technological awareness is dreadful. <laughs> like to the point where he was next door to me while we're in Manchester and we all, I don't know, we finished lunch or, or training or something. I don't even know what day it was. We jumped on, on the Call of Duty and I get a phone call from next door. He's like, mate, my PlayStation doesn't work. What's going on? He sent me a photo of it and the, the, on, like, the, the light saying that the station was on was on and like, mate, it's on. He goes, no, it's not working. It's not on my screen. So I go next door, look at these. We've got like these setups where we've got a, a screen and uh, in the sort of the carry case of the PlayStation. Yep. And uh, and the HDMI cord wasn't quite in, like into the screen. I'm like, mate, your HDMI cord isn't in right. He goes, no, nah, it's been like that for two weeks. I'm like, I just pushed it in and it came up on the screen straight away. And then he, he rings Joshy to change his loadouts on his on his game, and then he doesn't look at his maps in game. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a learning process for for the old man Nathan Lyon. And then we've got um, here in in quarantine, uh, sort of our war zone group is Sean Abbott, Riley Meredith, myself, and Nathan. So the three of us are just like talking him through, and, and he seems just to be the medic because he's like, yeah, I'll buy you all back in the game, but the medic. Yeah, he doesn't do too much shooting, that's for sure. <laughs> Stick to off spinning for the game. Uh, okay, so you've got – next one was Josh Hazel. You've paired him with Pat Cummins, right? Yeah, yep. Marcus Stoinis. 
well, you have to throw Zorby in there because that's okay. the live cafe connection. So those two run off each other's hip there for sure. Yeah, Mitch Marsh. Mitchy Marsh. Um, yeah, good one. Jeez, oh, those three sort of hanging out together. Um, maybe like a Richo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Can those four are pretty pretty good together. You've, so, always, you've already given Aaron Finch to David Warner. Yeah. Yep. He'll appreciate that. Uh, what, about, <laughs> what about the other captain, Tim Payne? Oh, we're talking full squad now. Okay. Jeez, you didn't you didn't specify the start. Um, big squad. Big squad. Big squad. Tim Payne. Um, well, you could have the keepers together. No, okay. see, that's where you could probably put Richo with Keza. South Australian connection. Yeah. So maybe you put... Paney with Mitchie Bart. Okay. Because they have right. a few FIFA battles too. So uh, they, they keep each other occupied. Yeah. We're going back to the Limit Overs team. Glenn Maxwell. Who's he, <laughs> who's he go with? Yeah. Um, who's he go with? Who have I got left? You're racking my brain now. I need it down in front of me. Um, who would you put him with? Well, there's one other name on my list. And it's the, it's the coach, Justin Langer. So do we put Maxi oh, and Langer mate, together? That is a, yeah, you could go right ahead. <laughs> You'd have to tell him, though. Yeah, well, I don't think I'll pass that message on. <laughs> but, but what player do you think would be most suited to hang out with the coach for two weeks? And you can break up the – it could be anyone that you've mentioned. I'd love to see the dynamic of Manus with the coach. <laughs> um, yeah, just because – they both love the game so much and there's been a bit of argy-bargy. I think the boys did a, the batters did like a boxing session and mm. Marnus thinks he could take the coach, but coach would just probably destroy him because mm. coach just loves the boxing side of it. So I, I don't know if, if you put, if you, two of them walked into a room, I'm not sure two were walking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one of them has got a black belt and picks the team. So I'm probably going to go with him. <laughs> yeah, Sam, we've got to find, we'll find Maxie a um, we'll find Maxie a roommate. Yeah, he'd, he'd be really good with punter. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. If we're, if we're looking, you know, a bit outside the, the circle area, they chew each other's ear off about foot, about football and and cricket and and yeah. Just the shower drain a bit clogged though with golf. all the hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hairy guys. <laughs> all right, that's our little quarantine game done. <laughs> <laughs> Before we finish off, we've got to look a little bit ahead. I know it's hard to do in the world we live in at the moment, but India coming out, they got you guys last time they travelled to Australia. What are you guys going to have to do better this time to win back that trophy? And bowl a bit better, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a fantastic series, obviously, and um, didn't go the way that we wanted to. But um, yeah, hopefully we can show that lessons learned and 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 obviously getting two guys to yeah, um, world class batters back into the lineup is going to be a huge plus for us. Um, but yeah, look, they've got some dangerous batters. They've got a really good bowling attack, as we know. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting. It's a regardless of, of how the, how things sit in the world, it's it's still Australia v India. Whether there's crowds or no crowds, um, it's still going to be, I'm sure, a really good spectacle on TV. So um, we're certainly looking forward to it and. No doubt there's, there's probably a few discussions between the boys while they're over in the IPL playing, playing with and against some mm. of those boys. But um, 
yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be a big few months. So, I mean, they're coming out for one days and T20s, I'm pretty sure, before the Test Series. So it's a, a big few weeks and months of, of international cricket for, for certainly for the players, but, but for those at home and, and hopefully those that can come to the game as well, it's going to be, be fantastic to see in Australia again. You're going to have a pretty well planned out lead up into those test matches. Like you said, one day is potentially before that, but do you reckon this will be the best prepared you've been for a test summer for a while? Um, personally or as a yeah. team? No, for you, because um, you, you know, as you said, you, you get better as you bowl and you get build up that rhythm and you can tinker with things. You'll have a really extended lead up now. Do you reckon that'll benefit you in the long run? Yeah, no doubt. Um, Obviously, I'll play some shield cricket um, over the next sort of couple of weeks or months, I guess, before before the IPL boys come home. And, and um, obviously, with they'll come into Australia with with the Indian guys, I'd assume, and do their quarantine. But um, and then we go into a bit of white ball stuff and into test cricket. So, yeah, it's it's um, as you said, I sort of um, you know find momentum along the way, sort of thing, and it's taken less time the more I've played or, or mm. the older I've gotten so yeah it's um, yeah looking forward to the summer no doubt and hopefully um, with a few shield games and a few few wins for New South Wales under the belt heading into a, an international summer is, is a, a really good lead up and it's um, yeah there's certainly been some some different lead ups over the years and, and whether it's been no red ball games or, or one red ball game it'd be nice to um, solely focus on on you know, a summer rather than coming straight out of a, you know, an international tour into a home summer is, is a nice little change as well. You've played with him. You've played against him a lot. Can you describe the challenge of bowling to Virat Kohli? Haven't I described it enough over the years? Did <laughs> it get any easier? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the answer changes too much, does it? Yeah. Um, no, look, he's he's an unbelievable player. I don't have to, to say that for people to know that and his record speaks for itself. But um yeah, I think I think playing it's almost like playing against Australia brings out the best in him at times mm. and he wants to perform the best against us. Likewise we wanna we wanna bowl and, and beat the best as well. So it's it just sets up for a really good series when you've got, you know, Virat and and Pajara and basically all their their batting lineup yeah. against our bowlers and then our batters against and their their bowling attack as well, who who um, did pretty well last time they came out. So it just it just sets up for a for a great spectacle. Um, and Virat is, is certainly one that that we want to we want to try and tame very quickly. Otherwise, he can he can be quite dangerous. Yeah, you, you said it's like he loves playing against Australia and he loves finding things to motivate him. Sometimes that would be the crowd. There's not going to be a crowd, or it'll be a smaller crowd. Uh, this summer, do you reckon that might impact him a little bit? Yeah, it'd be it'd be strange. Um, I guess the the fact that they're playing the IPL over in in the UAE without crowds um, will probably give them a taste of that. Um, but yeah, certainly he, he and, and and a lot of their team, as as do some of our guys, we, we feed off the crowd and the atmosphere there, so it, it changes things um, to a degree. And no doubt, if it was. You know the the normal crowds that we had. They they'd love to play in front of them, and they always have a huge following. No, no matter where they play in the world. So, yeah, it's disappointing that we can't have those atmospheres, or we might not have the same same large crowds as we we used to when we play against India at home. But um, yeah, I'm sure that you know 
these players who are the, some of the best in the world, they, they don't just become that way because they have to feed off the crowd. They, yeah. they, they'll find a way. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Shane Watson and, and Simon Cadditch speak the other day and they were talking about how they would they would pick out an opponent and basically start a fight with someone just to try and, <laughs> to try and rev them up, you know, get them in the contest. Uh, I imagine there it would be somewhat similar. So if, if he's going at you guys, is there a plan just to say nothing to him? Just, com- just completely blank him? Is he the kind of batter that you, you don't give any words to? You just try and stay on the quieter side? Yeah, I think so. Um I guess I'm in a fortunate position that I, I've gotten to know him while I played at Bangalore. So yep. we tend to have more of a laugh and, and a really good, um, you know, obviously both being really competitive with one another, but it's, um, you know, we'll have a laugh and a, and a chat after the game as well. So, but yeah, look, I think he's someone who feeds off that energy. He, he wants to create that energy and, and, and gets that from the crowd a lot um, and gets it from those, those competitive battles on the field as well with bowlers and, 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 um, yeah, hopefully we can take that away from him early by by hopefully getting him out, or or um, if it comes to, to not saying anything, or, or just leaving it to painting because he finds something weird yeah. to say behind the stumps. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting dynamic when we get to it. Jeez, smaller crowd, stump mics up. Painty's going to get a lot of airtime. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> I hope he's been practicing his one-liners. Uh, and and if all goes well, Mitch. As we said before, it's going to be Nathan Lyon's 100th test match this summer. He gets through them all. Have you got a favourite Nathan Lyon story you can share with us off the top of your head? Is there one sort of moment that sticks out to you? I don't know it's my favourite moment, but we did take a lot of humour in the fact that it it got, I don't know what test number it was, but it was like 12 months ago or 18 months ago. And he finally stopped being nervous. Well, not, not being nervous, but finally acted like he'd played 80 test matches, not like yeah. he was playing his first. And he got a little bit of confidence about him. And it was, it was like something he said. It was just like, not arrogance, but a bit of confidence. And like, geez, this bloke's finally decided he's played 80 test matches and nearly taken 400 wickets. And it was like, welcome. So it's, uh, it's good to see him have that, that confidence in himself. Um, but yeah, it's always a highlight when we, we get to, to sing the team song and, and he's the one leading it. And, and uh, he probably gets more nervous doing that these days than, mm. than uh, day one of a test match. So, no, it's, um, he's been a giant for us and a, a big part of the, the cartel. So, um, certainly when he gets to the 100, we'll be the first one to, to sit down and have a beer with him and enjoy the moment. I'll tell you, watching that uh, Amazon doco, The Test, we got a bit of an insight about the team song and he's actually pretty good with his stats, old Nathan Lyon, isn't he? You call out a player and say, you're the first batter to score twin hundreds in 25 years or he'll pull out, you know, your 15th fifer or whatever. He's, he's pretty clue with the numbers. Mate, he's fed some information. Don't I was going to say, <laughs> who, who gives them to him? <laughs> no, he's, he's quite switched on with his cricket, but a lot of it is being fed to him and he he enjoyed it a lot more when Brad Haddon was around the group because he could just go to him for when he was really nervous he'd like mate where where can we sing the song when can I do it when like he's almost like Brad's little puppet sometimes but um yeah no he's he's pretty switched on with with when people have um gotten to a milestone or or, or had some uh you know broken some records so it's always um you're not always sure what you're going to get when you're going to sing the theme song or when he's going to sing it. So mm. it's, uh, it's always an enjoyable time. Where's been the most uh, peculiar, I guess, place you guys have sung the theme song after a match, after a win? Oh, uh, 
Or what's one of the ones that sticks out to your mind? Because you guys have done it on the, you did, uh, you've done it in the change rooms a lot, but have you done it on the field? Have you done it somewhere else? Yeah, the, the, a couple of the best ones I've, I've been involved in. That one in Manchester um, 12 months ago was, was pretty special. Mm. Um, and <laughs> almost the, the funniest part of that was it wasn't planned at all. It was just the fact that it was, it was pure coincidence. But we went out and got in a circle and started to sing True Blue. And midway through, Joe Root walked out of the change rooms and down the stairs and I'm like, oh, that's awkward. Yeah. Uh, but um, that was really cool to, to be able to retain the ashes there um, and, and a really good song for, for, for everyone involved. Uh, the other one that was really special was, was probably in the middle of the MCG after the World Cup. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was pretty cool doing it in the, the centre of the MCG after, after the World Cup final it was cool as well. He's got a big decision on his hand in a few years, Nathan, who, who passes it on to. He's probably five or six years away from it now, but uh, he, he'll be stressing about that, I can imagine. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> that will be one of his most stressful days of his entire career, I can assure you. He's got no hair to lose either, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Whack. Jeez. Uh, well, Mitch, we're done. Uh, thank you, mate. What's on for this afternoon? Oh, probably some Call of Duty I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, Call of Duty or Putts and Balls um, yeah. my gym session was at 7am so I've, I've got I've got four walls to admire for the rest of the day he'll be, on, <laughs> he'll be IT support for Nathan Lyon as he tries to plug his controller in oh, 100% <laughs> well mate appreciate you coming on uh, and all the best for the next couple of weeks and see you out there playing very soon No worries, Sammy. Thanks for having me as always. That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. We will be back next week. And don't forget to subscribe to The Scoop. So until next time, for all your breaking news, live scores and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.